the ancient teachers, the ancient sages, teach us out of the great Jewish books that there are three rewards that through this scripture are released into our lives. The first one is, is that the angels of God are released to minister to our lives. Too many Christians talk about what the devil's doing and we believe in, you know, that man, that's a, that's a demonic attack. And, and it's true, there really are demons, but there are more angels than there are demons. And being a pastor for 30 something years, I, I know people and we talk more about and we're concerned more about demonic power and nobody really teaches us about angelic power. When we understand Exodus 24, 7, there are, according to those who wrote the Bible, 600,000 angels that are released into our lives. Now think about it. Can you imagine an army of angels that have been waiting to be ministering spirits to the heirs of salvation, but nobody's really told us much about it. Years ago, I don't know if you remember, years ago, Billy Graham wrote a book, and I, can't, I think it's called Angels, God's Hidden, Hidden Agents. And he really got kind of mocked because he began to teach about the power that we have with angels that come from heaven. And so because of that, you know, we don't really talk about it a lot. But guys, there is an army of angels that are ministering spirits waiting in these last days, I believe. And you know what? There's more angels than there are demons, and that means we win. Amen? All right, let's, let's, let's get into this. Exodus chapter 24-7. Then, then he took the book of the covenant. Everybody say covenant. Now, now look at me a second. We don't, Christians don't understand covenant. We really don't understand covenant. We hear it a lot and it's talked a lot, but we really don't understand when God said, I have made a covenant with you, that if we will do our part, everybody say our part. If we, if we will do our part, God beyond any doubt, will do his part. But there's our part and there's his part. And when God says, if you do your part, I have a covenant, and that covenant is written in blood, cannot be eliminated, cannot be washed away, cannot be changed. As a matter of fact, I'm a firm believer, the closer we get to the end, the greater that covenant blessing is going to be on us. Can I have an amen? All right, look at verse 7 again. Then he took the book of the covenant... And he read in the hearing of the people, and they said, now this is the key verse in case you weren't here, all that the Lord has said, we will do, and there's a lot of different words that come in your English translation after it, but hearken, which means understand. Now here's the key. Now look at me a second. Here is the key to 600,000 angels being released to be ministering spirits to the heirs of salvation. They said, Lord, we will do whatever you tell us to do, and after we do it, then we will understand. Now, the key of this 
is whatever he tells you to do, do it. It doesn't matter if it makes sense. It doesn't matter if it's logical. It doesn't matter if it's convenient. It doesn't matter if you and I think that that we ought to do something else. If we want the blessing of God, we have to do first, and once we do, then we'll see. Let me give you a prime example that every preacher and every one of you is thinking about right now, tithing. In the church world today, 8% of the church world tithes. 8%. And probably that's a stretch of the imagination. 8% of the church world ties. 100% of the church world knows that God says, a tenth is mine and offering. Prove me if I will not open you the windows of heaven. Every charismatic is claiming the windows of heaven to be open. But the open heaven does not come about until we do our part first. White church, black church, brown church, rich church, poor church. How many of you believe God wants you to prosper? Everyone would say yes. But then we'd say, how many never missed their tithe? 8% of the Christian world. And you will not prosper if you don't tithe. But you got to do it first, then you'll understand. Most of the things that God tells us to do in order to see his miracle doesn't make sense. Peter got out of a, a good boat to walk on water. The children of God walked around the walls of Jericho seven times. Lord, how are you going to defeat this enemy? This enemy's bigger than we are, better equipped than we are, stronger than we are. What are you going to do? I'm going to give you a mighty weapon. Oh, pray. A nuclear bomb? No. A tornado? No. What are you going to do? I want you to walk around that wall and blow a horn. That wall did not go down until they walked around it and blew the horn. We all know the story about the leper who comes to the prophet and says, basically, whatever you want me to do, do it. You want me to give you money? You want me to give you gold? You want me to give you silver? You want to get me, give me jewels? What do you want me to do? I want you to go down to the river and dip seven times. And the Bible said he walked away because it didn't make any sense. But thankfully, one of his servants said, what do you got to lose? And so he didn't get healed on the fourth dip, the fifth dip, the sixth dip. On the seventh dip, the number of completion, he came up and his leprosy was totally healed. If we're looking for a miracle, we've got to get out of the logical so that God can do something supernatural. Can I have an amen? All right, let me show you something here. Go with me to Matthew chapter 18, just starting with verse 1. And at that time, disciples came to Jesus saying, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child to him, set him in the midst of them, and said, Surely I say to you, unless you become as a little child, you will by no means enter into the kingdom of God. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of of heaven. Jesus is a Jew talking to other Jews they picture the kingdom of heaven different than we do, okay? And so when Jesus said, unless you come to me as a little child, 
Yes, we have to receive him as our Lord and Savior. Yes, by faith, we have to believe that 2,000 years ago he died. But Jesus did not just come so that we could have heaven someday. He came that we could have heaven today. Thy kingdom, thy will be where? On earth. There's not supposed to be sickness amongst us. There's not supposed to be poverty amongst us. There's not supposed to be divorce amongst us. There's not supposed to be failure amongst us. We are more than conquerors. Not someday, but today. But unless we come and look at what Jesus tells us to do as a little child, we'll not enter into that kingdom while we're here on earth. We are saved by grace. There's nothing we have to do to make heaven our home except receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior. But there's a lot that we have to do. Now that we're saved, work out your salvation. In other words, if God said it, whatever he tells you to do, do it. The first miracle Jesus did was turn what? Water into wine. He didn't heal the blind eyes. He didn't raise the dead. He didn't deliver a prostitute. The first miracle Jesus did was keep the party going. Now, I know that may sound sacrilegious, but that's what it was. It was a wedding. They're out of refreshments. Jesus kept the party going. It was symbolic to you and I that what Jesus came to do was not just eternal, but it was also temporal here on earth. He came to establish his kingdom here on earth through you and I because he said, wherever you go, I'm going with you. He has a covenant with us. But that covenant means that he's got his part and I've got my part. And the only way it's going to happen is if I come to him as a little child. Go with me to the book of Psalms 103. Now, when we do, then our understanding will come. And God says that there are three rewards that are released in heaven. Look at Psalms 103, verse 20. It says, Bless the Lord, you his angels, who excel in strength, who do his word, heeding the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all of you, his hosts, you ministers of his, who do his pleasure. Now, this is the sister scripture to the Jewish people to Exodus 24, that if we do whatever he tells us to do, there are angelic beings that are released to begin to minister to us to accomplish the covenant that God has set before us. Now, a lot of people will say, well, but that's, that's Old Testament, all right? Go with me to the book of um, Hebrews chapter 1. Everything that's in the Old Testament, the First Testament, is reiterated in the Second Testament. Hebrews chapter 1, look at verse 7. The Bible says, and of the angels he says who makes his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire. Now go down to verse 14. 
Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who inherit salvation? Now, I'm going to get into some really exciting stuff here, but what you've got to realize is every one of us, by the word of God, has angels ready to begin to minister to you, for you, in you, through you, once we realize this supernatural phenomena. Christians always talk about demons. Man, I've, the, the, the devil's doing this and the devil's doing that. And there is a devil, but he is defeated. There are demons. One third, one third. Let me put it this way. Twice as many demons, there are angels, and they are ministering spirits to the heirs of salvation. Somebody say amen. amen. Okay, now we all seen pictures of angels. We've all seen them. And, and I love that painting. I think we may have bought it for the Grand Sugars where, where the, the little kids are walking across a rickety bridge. Number one, what are their parents letting them do on that rickety bridge? Those parents need to be spanked. And we've seen the angel, you know, and the angels are kind of sissy looking and, and they got, always got blonde hair. Aren't there any black angels and Hispanic angels and Asian angels? Come on. So we always see these pictures of these angels and they're just kind of like these harp playing guys and, you know, kind of, you know, you know, are they male or female or, you know, what kind of beings are these? That's not, the, that's not the angels that I see in the Bible. That's not the angels I see in the Bible. Go with me to 2 Kings chapter 6. The, the angels that, that, that I see in the Bible are warriors. 2 Kings chapter 6. Do you have it? Say amen. amen. Look at verse 8. This is a great story. I'll take a little time to read it. Now, the king of Syria was making war against Israel. We're we're talking about war, life and death, killing, war against Israel. And he took counsel with his servants saying, my camp will be in such and such a place. And the man of God sent to the king of Israel saying, beware that you do not pass this place for the Syrians are coming down there. Then the king of Israel sent someone to the place of which the man of God had told him. Thus he warned him and he was watchful there, not just once or twice. Therefore, the heart of the king of Syria was greatly troubled by this thing, and he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? Now, let me stop and explain what's happening there. The Syrian army was greater, bigger, more powerful, but every time they set up an ambush, Israel won. Every time they thought they had him tricked, Israel came around and, and whooped up on him. So he's saying, Which one of you is a spy? That's what he's asking. Look at it again. Will you not show me which one of us is for the king of Israel? In other words, somebody's telling the the Israeli army our plans. Somebody's somebody's planning. Listen, this, this is the same thing that happened in the Yom Kippur War. Okay? Israel had this much of an army and the Arabs had this much of an army. And they came in on the Yom Kippur, and they came in this way. Israel thought they were coming in this way. So here comes hundreds of thousands of soldiers and tanks and, 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 and weapons. 
And all of a sudden, they're coming in, and they stop dead, and they have no idea why they stopped dead. The leader of the, of the Arab army to this day says, I do not know why we stopped. He said, it was if the hand of God stopped us. Because all of Israel's army was over here, the enemy tricked them, but God stopped them. Israel came around, and these handful of, of, of Jews whooped up on the whole Arab nation because God before you, who can be against you? And trust me, whoever's on Israel's side is going to end up winning this thing. Right? Okay, so that's what's happening. Now look at this. Which one of you is, is spying on us? Verse 12, and one of his servants said, none, my Lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel tells the king of Israel, the words that you speak in your bedchamber, a prophet, a prophet is telling him things that you're speaking in your bedchamber. So he said, go and see where he is that I may send and get him. And it was told him saying, surely he's in Dothan. Therefore, he sent horses and chariots and a great army there, and they came by night and surrounded the city. Okay, do you see what's happening? Okay, they're going, the, the God, God's raised up a prophet, and he's given the strategy of the enemy, and, and Israel is, is whooping up on him. So they send a great army to surround one guy. Now, when you think the devil has got you surrounded, you need to remember this scripture. Go see where he is. Surely he's in Dothan. Therefore, he sent horses and chariots and a great army there, and they came by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God rose up early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots, And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? So here's here's Elisha trying to train a disciple. See, that's what I'm trying to do with you. You have a right to a double portion of the anointing. Elijah, Elisha got a double portion of Elijah. This young man has a right to a double portion of Elisha. If you're in in our ministry, you have a double right. You have a right to a double portion of my anointing and Tiz's anointing in the Word of God, in prayer, in finances. But if you're going to get what we got, you got to do what we did. That's what Jesus said. Follow me. Paul said, follow me. You know what that means? Walk in my footprints. Tiz and I have never missed a tithe. Never made a pledge and not paid it. Never, never did not give an offering besides. When a, when a man of God would come through, we would never not bless them. Now, I'm just telling you these things because it's not an accident to get to the mountaintop. Nobody falls on the mountaintop. And then when you're doing it, you got to sometimes keep your mouth shut and not curse your blessing. That's why God said when they walked around the walls of Jericho, they said, be quiet. Because if they'd have been like, you know, this don't make any sense. Yeah, I know the pastor said it, we were to do this, but you know what? Man, the economy's really bad. You know, interest rates are really high. It doesn't matter what the economy does. It doesn't matter what interest rates does. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. If he says, go get the water pots that are used for the purifying of the Jews, don't go get the old wineskins. 
Well, why not? Why? Why? Because my ways are not your ways. That's why. With the Lord, he's running to and fro. But what happens is, is we become stiff-necked. We know God says, listen, God never said there were no giants. He just said, I'm getting you from your bondage. I'm getting you from your own personal Egypt, and I'm going to get you into the promised land. Never said there wasn't a desert. Never said there wasn't a, a, weren't giants. Never said there weren't obstacles. Never said there wasn't a Red Sea. But every time, God, what do you want me to do? Speak to the rock. You know, we read the Bible and we go, I want the faith of Peter. Peter needed money. He needed taxes. He comes to Jesus and says, Lord, I I, I told him we pay our taxes. The Lord said, I'll take care of it. And Peter goes, shh, open the windows of heaven. He said, no, no, go fishing. See, we read that. We read that and we don't realize how much faith that takes. What if you came to me and said, Pastor, would you pray my business needs a breakthrough? And I go, Haralabo, corre abasando. Hey, thus saith the Lord thy God, go down to the Trinity River and fish, and I will give you your money. You'd go, thanks, Pastor. Bless you. But that's what Peter did. He went fit. See, we got to realize these stories in the Bible are there to teach us his ways are not our ways. He went fishing to get a financial breakthrough. Let's go back to verse 15. And when the servant of the man of God rose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city. I mean, we're talking about a huge army. The city was surrounded with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? So he answered, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Now now picture, he gets up. Master! What? We're surrounded. Oh, don't worry. There's more of us than there are of them. One, two. Are you getting the picture? See this, and he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. This is, this is how it works. I will do, then I will understand. It's not I will understand, then I'll do. It's not that. That's not faith. That's not obedience. That's man's wisdom. Amen. <sighs> 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100, 4,000, 5,000, 6,000, 7,000, 8,000, Master, what do we do? Don't worry. There's more of us than there are of him. Master, you've been eating those mushrooms again? Master, you've been smoking the wacky weed. Look what it says. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray open his eyes that he may see. Stop right there. Look at me. That's why the Lord says they have eyes and they don't see. They have ears and they don't understand. But blessed are you because you have eyes and you see. And you have ears and you hear. Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, 
the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So when the Syrians came down to him, Elisha prayed, Lord, and said, strike them blind. Lord, open his eyes and shut their eyes. Now I'm going to show you something here. I'm going to show you something here. Look at me. Lord, open his eyes. Don't worry about it. There's more of us than there are of them. That doesn't make any sense. Lord, open his eyes and shut their eyes. Open his eyes and shut their eyes. This is why the Bible says, now watch this. You've got to understand the Hebrew thought of the Bible. To him who has, more will be given. But to him who has not, what he has will be what? Not talking about money. That's not even fair. I'm going to give to them that has and take away. He's talking about wisdom. He's talking about he whose eyes are open. To him whose eyes are open, him who does, then they will understand more wisdom will be given. My people destroy for what reason? Lack of knowledge. So the more we obey him, whatever he tells us to do, the more wisdom we get, the more wisdom we get, and becomes easier and easier and easier and easier and easier. The more you see God bless, the easier it is to trust him. But the bigger step, when you first start off, he starts off with milk. But when you get through the milk and the strained vegetables, he starts bringing you the meat of the word of God. And this is the acceleration in time that we're going to see for the outpouring of God's wisdom and knowledge and supernatural. He's drawing a line in the sand right now and says, who believes that I am that I am? And those who say yes, they're going into the promised land and we're never going back to the desert. Somebody say amen. He said, open his eyes, and he looked around, and there were chariots of fire. Fire! And I remember this one story about this guy who these headhunters were coming to kill him. And all it was was him and his wife. And they saw this tribe, this whole army of these headhunters coming to kill him. And the guy said, we are going to kill you and burn the mission down. And his wife began, him begin to pray and begin to bind the devil and release the power of God. This uh, uh, chief of this headhunter tribe, 10 years later, gave his life to the Lord. And in talking with him, he said, I remember when you were bringing your tribe in to kill me. And he said, why did you stop? And he said, well, because of the army that you had. And he said, there was no one there but my wife and I. And he said, no, when we came through the jungle and we were getting ready to kill you, there were hundreds and hundreds of warriors standing around you with swords of fire. Folks, we have 600,000 angels ready to minister to you, to guard your life to guard your children from drug addicts and dope dealers, to guard your family from the demon of cancer, to guard your business from going bankrupt, to guard your marriage from being attacked. And it's about time we realize that you and I have ministering spirits that are the heirs of salvation. They are ours, and we release them in the name of Jesus. Somebody shout amen. 
I was reading a story about a missionary that was preaching in a church in Michigan just recently, and he began to share about how these guys were coming in to rob him. They saw him riding. He was going through a missionary on a bicycle in Africa, and later when he got saved, we were followed, we followed you, knowing that you were, you were an American, you probably had money, and you were a doctor, and you had drugs, and we followed you into the, into the jungle, and we're going to wait until you went to sleep and kill you. And while you were sleeping, we snuck in, myself and my friends, there were six or seven of them, and we were going to kill you and steal your money and steal your drugs. But he said you had 26 armed men standing around where you were sleeping. Now, he was teaching this in a church in Michigan. And when he said 26 armed men, this man stood up in the congregation and said, said, doctor, what day was that? And he gave him the date because they knew him. And he said, on that day, I was going to play golf. And he said, God spoke to me that you were in danger. And I called a bunch of men in my prayer group. And he said, we came to church that day and began to pray with you and begin to release the angels of God. And he said, how many of you men were in that prayer meeting? And the men began to stand up in the church. And the missionary said, there were 26 men standing praying. And every one of them released an angel that is ministering spirits. Oh, somebody ought to Shout amen. Go with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 26. See, this is not just something that God did back in the Old Testament. This is for us today. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Look real quick with me at verse 53. This is Jesus speaking, and he says, Or do you think that I cannot now pray? Everybody say now. This isn't tomorrow, this isn't yesterday, this is a now word. That I can now pray to the Father, and he will provide me with more than 12 legions of angels. These guys are ready. They're like, when I was thinking about this, and, and, and God said, my people don't even understand. I saw these ministering spirits in the starting block. And they're just waiting for you to say, go. We have no idea who's in this room tonight. We have no idea who we might meet tomorrow. Look at Hebrews chapter chapter 13, verse 1. Let brotherly love continue. Do not forget to entertain strangers. For by doing so, some have unwittingly entertained angels. He's talking about Christians being kind and gracious and and loving to people. And he said, and I'm going to tell you something. There are some of you who have entertained angels and not even know it. Now, if the angels showed up and there's, there's feathers kind of floating out of their coat and, and, you know, a halo hanging over their head, we would know. But sometimes angels come to bring us business deals. Sometimes angels come to bring us financial breakthrough. Sometimes angels come to introduce us to that dream team, the right person at the right time. Sometimes angels get in front of you because there's an accident coming and they're blocking the enemy. Sometimes angels are walking in front of your kids 
so that no drug dealer comes up and asks them they want to try it. Sometimes angels come and they sit in the service next to you and try to encourage you to break you through because God still inhabits the praises of his people. You never know when you're sitting next to an angel. You never know when God is going to bring you an angel to connect you to the right man or the right woman at the right time. My Bible says in the New Testament, talking to Gentiles, watch out because sometimes you entertain, you meet angels and you don't even know it. Somebody say amen to this. Matthew chapter 18, verse verse 10. Take heed that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I say to you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. Jesus is saying this. Watch out that you don't offend one of these little ones because their personal angels are standing in front of my Father right now. Say, my personal angel. See, I don't know about you, but this thrills me. I can get up and I can say, angels protect my wife. Angels protect my children. Angels guard my grandbaby and my grandchildren. Angels bring me the right person. Now, here's the question you're going to get. People are going to say, well, if we have Jesus, we don't need angels. Jesus had Jesus. And he said, I could snap my fingers and have 12 legions right here. Luke 15, verse 10. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. My Bible says every time we say, I see that hand. Angels are shouting, I see that hand. Angels are shouting, I see that hand. Angels are shouting, I see that hand. Grab your concordance sometime. and Get get a Knave's topical Bible. Go to the internet and start looking up scriptures on angels. There's a lot of teachings on angels. Acts chapter 7, verse 53. He who received the law... By the direction of angels and have not kept it. What does that mean? He's talking about those who receive the word of God by direction of the angels. Now this is going to freak you out. But before you and I were ever born, God, the Jewish teachers teach that God met with every one of your angels and began to make a plan to bring salvation to your life, to bring joy to your life, to bring finances to your life, to bring miracles to your life, to bring business to your life, to get you your house, to get you your car, to find your bereshet, your your soulmate. God met with your angels and discussed your life why don't you say father i release the angels of god who are ministering spirits to the all oh, somebody ought to shout amen i'm this good stuff before you were ever born god met with your angels and has a plan and what did the lord say my plan for you is good not evil 
He's got a plan for you to be the head and not the tail, to be the lender, not the borrower, to be above, not beneath, to be healthy, not sick, to be full of joy, not sorrow, to win, not lose, to be more than a conqueror. Why? Because there are more there to minister to you than there are demons that come against you. Quit talking about the devil and start talking about the goodness of God. Somebody ought to give the Lord a clap offering. Acts chapter 8, verse 26. Now an angel, an angel, not the angel, not, 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 not a singular, it's one of them. An angel of the Lord spoke to Philip saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down to Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man, an Ethiopian, a eunuch of great authority under Cadence, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge over her treasury, had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning and sitting in a chariot, and he was reading Isaiah the prophet. Listen to me. This guy needed salvation. God didn't send a preacher. He didn't send an evangelist. He sent an angel. I don't know how many of you have children or grandchildren or husbands or wives or loved ones that don't know the Lord, but we can call upon the same word that's in the word of God and Lord, send them an angel. They may not listen to a man, but when an angel comes to them, it may come to them as a stranger, may come to them in a dream, may come to them in a vision. I can remember driving a car when I, or, or a my truck through the Navajo reservation in the middle of the night, two o'clock in the morning, driving a double rig through the mountains of the Navajo reservation. And all of a sudden I began to speak in other tongues and I looked and there was somebody sitting in the seat next to me. And I came over a hill and two o'clock in the morning, cliffs on both sides and there were cattle all in the highway and my hands froze and that truck went like this right through the cattle, never hit one, never knocked me off the road because God has angels. Somebody say amen. God will send angels to you. God will send angels to your children. God will send angels to your spouse. God will send angels to your workplace. God will have angels ride with you. I'm telling you, Lord is going to open up our eyes where we're going to begin to see into a dimension that we haven't seen for almost 2,000 years because my God and my God's word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Somebody shout amen. Woo, I feel the Holy Ghost. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10. Now to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in heavenly places. We battle not with flesh and blood, but we do battle with principalities and powers and rulers of darkness. Can I have an amen? Everybody knows that scripture. I battle not with flesh and blood, but I battle with principalities and powers and rulers of darkness in dark places. Here God says we have wisdom and knowledge and guidance with principalities and powers in heavenly places. If we're battling with demonic demons, why don't we call on two-thirds of the army and have them come defeat them from heavenly places? Oh, somebody shout. Amen? You know, well, that's too, that's too, that's too uh, 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 supernatural. Amen. 
Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him, whether visible or invisible. You know what's the problem with Americans? If we can't see it, smell it, or taste it, we don't believe it. But I'm telling you, there are principalities and powers of heavenly places. If we'll do, then we will understand. And the first thing of the rewards of heaven is 600,000 angels are released to minister to the heirs of salvation. If you're ready for the king of kings to release his angels, give the Lord a clap offering and shout amen. God is ready to move the church into a dimension of the supernatural. I have had angelic visitations that have changed my life, changed our, our, our destiny. Seen them. Seen them. And they've always come and brought the wisdom of God. So well, don't we have the Holy Spirit? Yes, we have the Holy Spirit. Don't we have Jesus? Yes, we have Jesus. But isn't it neat to know we got warriors with drawn swords that the that, that, that guy said they were standing in shining armor. Why didn't you come and kill me? Because we saw your army. He was just my wife and I. Lord, open their eyes. And he opened his eyes. And yeah, the enemy was out there. But the enemy of God was surrounded by the army of God. And greater is he that's in us than anything that can come against us. Are you ready for angels to be released? Give the Lord a clap offering one more time. Just say, God, I I don't understand it all, but I'm ready.